inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. And we're two siblings who happen to be blind. Outlook. On Radio Western. And welcome to a new episode of Outlook here today on Radio Western. Another pre-record here. I'm here in my apartment and I have Carrie connected uh, coming in from Woodstock here over Zoom. How are you doing today, Carrie? Happy fall. I'm still just enjoying fall. Yes, your favorite season, right? Right. Yeah, so um, I want to get right into this topic today because it's one of my favorites these days and uh, we're excited to talk to our guest today, Ruth Barrett. And there's a lot to talk about about audio description, which is something I've talked about on Outlook before. But you might just be listening for the first time and not everybody's aware of what it is. So we'll definitely get into that. It, it has something to do with, in this case in particular, the Stratford Festival which most people have heard of. Hey, Brian? Yeah, I would say it's a pretty big one, even for me, who's not, I'm not a big theater person per se. I mean, it's not something that I, I just haven't had much experience with it. Um, I might get into it a little bit later that I did have a brief stint here in London working at the Grand Theater just, just for a couple weeks there a few years back. So that gave me a bit of a taste and, and stuff like that, but it's not something I know too much about. So I'm interested to talk to our guest today and with a specific focus on audio description as... You know, you heard in our theme song, or if you've listened to our show, or maybe this is your first time, but Carrie and I are both blind, uh, siblings born blind, so that's, that's a specific area of interest is audio description, and especially for you, Carrie, I've always, you know, I've, I've watched TV here and there, but it's something I got into a bit later. I was more into music growing up, and that's still my main focus, but I'm trying to get more and more interested in different areas, but for you in particular, I know for your love of movies and, and film, and, and, uh, and in this case today talking about theater but all of these mediums do have a pretty big visual component so the the audio description is an extra is an extra point for people like us to get a bit more out of a play or a movie or a show that we might not get just by listening to the dialogue um, of, of of the performance yeah and today we're going to talk about a performance with ruth's uh help to make it accessible hamlet i believe she has been doing or has done, but uh, let's start by talking to her. Hi, Ruth, thanks for coming here on Outlook with us today. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Brian. Um, I'm Ruth Barrett, uh, for those of you listening. Um, I am a woman in my mid-50s. I'm white, I have pale skin, I have a round face. I have uh, chin-length straight silver hair. I have black brows, uh, large hazel eyes, a round nose, uh, rosy cheeks, and a... Uh, full mouth, and I am wearing a black shirt with a royal blue paisley scarf. And I'm sitting in a slightly gloomy room, as it's a bit overcast today, uh, against a black uh, wall shelf unit that is absolutely stuffed with books. <laughs> nice. And, uh, <laughs> so I'm happy to be here from Stratford today. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about Stratford. There's lots to say on it as a tourist. Just a nice, beautiful spot with the shops and it and sure. all the culture. Yeah, and so definitely for sure. And uh, what we just had Ruth do is describe herself. And you've had the practice, uh, but it's always you know each time you do it, you got to think about what to include and and how to say it. And and we, you know we can have this debate. And we have had it on the show with issues around it, whether it's necessary to describe yourself in certain circumstances. And 
some blind people liking it and some needing it and some not or you know it's all how we take in information and what we're looking for and uh but yeah you you know you have the practice and you've worked helping out the blind in this community for several years mm-hmm. but but um but thanks for doing that there at the beginning of the show yeah i think that's a great a great way to start it out and uh it's one of those things that as carrie mentions it's it can be some it seems to be a bit of a debate in the blindness community some people say why does anyone bother doing that? It just, it wastes time. But personally for us, I think it's, it's like anything I think in life where it's not going to suit everyone. Maybe not everyone's going to care, maybe if they haven't seen before. But at the same point, I don't think it's fair to maybe make it a requirement for people if people don't feel comfortable doing it. Yet at the same point, I think it is a helpful thing just because these are these things that anyone who can see automatically picks up on when you can't see. It's nice to get to know a little bit about the person that's speaking and, and kind of how they present themselves. And I think even for us as blind people, we're trying to remove the stereotype about, oh, if you can't see, you don't care what you look like, where it's like, of course, I still want to look presentable when I'm out in public or in a, in a, <laughs> in a certain setting. So I think it's something that I, I think personally is important. And it just goes to show that one size doesn't fit all and everyone has, you know, their own opinion on it. But I think it definitely shouldn't be a right or wrong thing. It should be based on the situation and the person's how comfortable the person is to, to do it. But I do really appreciate your, your, your image description <laughs> of yourself there. Well, I just thought um, it probably would be good to give a demonstration of what it is I do. Some people aren't, as you said, they're not familiar with audio description. And um, <clears throat> as for, I mean, everybody's individual. Of course, some some blind people and visually impaired people might not care that much about audio description. I don't know. Uh, in my experience, I've had wonderful feedback. They're very uh, appreciative patrons. Um, a lot of people had stopped going to theater because they were missing out on the visual element as theater can be incredibly visual, especially with a musical or something that's the costumes. And, yeah. Uh... Um, so they, they were saying, you know, thank you for opening that window again. I got into accessibility quite by accident years and years ago. And you just, I think, the average person doesn't even really think about it that much. And then when you explain what you're doing with uh, closed captioning or, or, or audio description, they say, well, of course, of course, why wouldn't you do that? So everybody should have the same sort of experience with the storytelling. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. People don't know what they don't know. And uh, once you tell them what it is, a lot of them are, a lot of people are very curious as I was learning more about these areas in more recent years, I mean, mm. Brian and I have talked on the show before that uh, we used to watch, we used to get audio described cassette tapes of movies yeah. sent to us from Boston WGBH or... Well, they would have been VHS tapes at the time, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, good. It, it was a long time ago. Yeah, VHS tapes. It was a long time ago and, and they were around in the 90s and, and, and such, but not... It's taken on a, on a whole new... It's really sprouted wings, I think, in recent years with so many different <laughs> people are watching things on all sorts sorts of places and 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 not every blind person cares about movies but a lot of us do and we really enjoy them and i i've talked to our older brother before about how he always sort of had a natural gift we thought he could do what you do ruth he okay. just has he's just really great at knowing what information to impart and what's important and he's got a very pleasant voice to listen to so i grew up with having an older brother who could describe movies for me and not all kids had that so no you were very lucky yeah. and the the thing about having the audio description service in the theater 
um, it, it a lot of people used to come with their husband or their their wife or their friend, and they would sort of whisper, "Okay, he pulled a knife, right? Doing this, and you're disturbing the audience. You're talking over top of the next line." Um, and and the person who's d- doing that feels they're not sitting back and enjoying the show. No, the person should um, the person <laughs> the person you're with might want to be if it's a date or a friend or they don't they want to watch it enjoy the show as well. So I I always you know. remember this. Um, I try to at the theater at least uh, meet with everybody who's used the service after the performance when they come back to get their headset in. I always say over over the over headset before they the show's over that I will meet them and I'd love some feedback and, and because I just want to keep improving this. That's, mm-hmm. that's so great. Yeah. yeah. To get that, that personal feedback, because of course you want to get, you know, you want to get the people's opinions who are actually using this service and who can't see, well, to yeah. get, see what they're picking gonna, up. And, and it isn't one size fit all, fits all. No, um, you, you can never please everybody. Because anyway. no, uh, generally, well, I'll just finish this story, but the, the, this, young man came and he had his parents on one on each arm and they were both uh they were both visually impaired and he said this was the first time we've gone to the theater where i could just enjoy the show and he wasn't sitting between them trying to you know <laughs> to fill in the blanks for them so they were all three was thrilled you know it, it really made a big difference for them yeah mm-hmm. that's so great and it it's, it's just interesting to think back because we mentioned here starting in the 90s with vhs tapes that we ordered you know, through through CNIB or whatever with the with description on them. But, you know, and then we also went to the movie theater and our brother that we've mentioned, who was great at describing, he would he would often sit behind us and then kind of lean forward and whisper really (laughs) quietly, really try not to disturb anyone else. But he would often say like he he did love doing it, right? Like because he's good at it. And there's a certain part of that. But then as as for us, it does feel a little bit like, you know, we want him just to be able to sit back and enjoy the show, too. And sometimes he would say (laughs) his neck was a little bit sore after. And uh, but uh I think it's also really neat that we're talking, you know, we talked how this originated through movies and then into the movie theater, which was a bit of a step up. But even there, where they've offered, they've started to offer more and more audio description at movie theaters, it's a pre-recorded track where you wear a headset. And, you know, we've had some experiences, unfortunately, where the headsets don't work and you get in the theater and five minutes in, it's like, oh, it's playing the wrong movie description or like, what's going oh, on here? Lord. So well, this is, this is the thing. This is why... Um... I'm glad that I've ended up where I am now, which is with Descriptive Video Works out of Vancouver, where we're trying really, really hard to raise the bar and make things consistent. I mean, there, there's such a, a variety of, of competence in, in the service that you get because there hasn't really been a mandate um, or a, 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 a consistent training or an each each uh, network or streaming service or whatever they all they they come to it with a different understanding each time and you have to work with them to try to finesse things and make it work for everybody and yeah it's so scattered it is so um it's just constantly evolving and i'm hoping that Mm -hmm. we're taking it up you know to better levels and they are well i'll go maybe we'll go back to where i started out well, yeah, I'd, I'd like to hear about like what kind of skills you transferred and what you were doing before you did get into this work. Okay, well, my my background, um, I've always been interested in storytelling as a writer and as an actor. Um, so I did uh, an English literature course through Trent University with a year abroad at the University of Leeds. 
And then after that, but the whole time I was doing theater, of course, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, realized that I, my, my heart really was in that uh, area. So I, I went back to England and I trained at, Lam- at Lambda, the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art, and then returned to Toronto and I attempted to have a stage and screen career for 10 years. But as you know, it is a very tricky business to get into. Oh yeah, yeah. Any you know anything in the arts? We talk about Brian's music or my writing or oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a struggle to it's, really it's, keep it going, especially <laughs> if you want to make a living at it. It can be fun for a oh, hobby, but Lord. it's yeah, to make it a constant. <laughs> you should never stop doing it, but right. you don't expect great riches all the time. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, I did a lot of voice work toward the end of my acting career, and that's how this came about. I. Um, was living in Hamilton at the time when all of the accessibility stuff started. Uh, a friend got in touch and said, would you like to learn how to do closed captioning? Because, you know, you're, you're articulate and you, you listen well and, and, um, and you know how to type. <laughs> so Fair communication. I, yeah. So I was doing a little bit of that. I, it's so long ago and I worked there so briefly, I don't even remember the production company. But again, I was a bit appalled at just how, I don't know, the level of, the quality level was so bad in some of the closed captioning. It's like they almost wanted, you know, well, we we provided it, you know, but well, how about you provide good closed yeah. captioning? Check, check, check that box. And maybe some accurate uh, closed captioning, because some of it was really appalling, especially the... Uh, the uh, when the computer does it for you it's like, yeah sorry. well that's the problem with ai now with audio description as well, well it's exactly. it, it has it has its role but i lot. think we need to i i personally would rather have a real narrator mm-hmm. um for for all of these things and and a real writer to to capture yes. what, what needs to be captured and I again the the freelance element of that I was struggling I I had health issues that year and I ended up not working for a while but a friend who I worked with doing two years as a uh, voiceover artist on a a show called We Three which was for kids out of Treehouse TV oh, nice. I was a little blue I was a little blue monster named Creaky <laughs> <laughs> you know it sounded kind of like this uh, so that was a lot of fun. And uh, he said, I know you like to do voice work and I know you're a writer and I work at AMI now and we're looking to train up some new um, audio describers. So if you'd like to you know, talk to me about that. So that's how I got into it quite by accident. And they sort of they gave me a bit of training and sort of tossed me in there. And um, AMI did a lot of they didn't do a lot of first run stuff. They did a lot of reruns. So I ended up doing a lot of Perry Mason <laughs> and, and things like that over the yeah, years. Yeah, that's one show I didn't catch the first time <laughs> or since, unfortunately. I wasn't born yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, and, it's great. Yeah. But uh, also, probably one of the highlights of, of um, audio description career for me at the time. Uh, and th- this was at the end of 20. Was it uh, 2009 when I first started working with AMI? And in 2011, they decided to audio describe live. And this is one of the first big um, live description, live to air descriptions of any kind of major event of its kind. Um, 
with the CBC, uh, the royal wedding of, of William and Kate. Oh, really? So, I stayed up. For, uh, I woke up early for that. I was up earlier than you. But I, I did. I did. <laughs> I did not get. I don't know. I don't think I got the audio. Yeah, I was going to ask Kara if you had the because we were no, talking that about was, that recently again that you'd watched that. It was. And... Uh, it was through. It was through CBC, so it wasn't. Um, this is the problem is you're not, it, you might do an audio description that's really great for something, but if it's playing on another platform, it doesn't necessarily right. transfer with it. Um, but we did a live six hour broadcast started at, I, I think I was at the studio at 2 AM. I was going to say uh, um, two or three. <laughs> I didn't get any sleep the night before. And Sarah Menel, who's another uh, person who works at uh, descriptive video with me now, um, she uh she was sort of the we were we were sort of a team so because nobody wants to do six hours on their own so we'd take an hour each mm -hmm. and i thought i thought we'd rest in between but we stayed in the booth the whole time and kind of pointed stuff out to each other and it, it was exhausting but a lot of fun um and then in 2012 by this i'd moved to to stratford in 2010 because i, I I didn't enjoy living in Hamilton all that much. And I thought I could live anywhere since I was working from home. So why don't I go to Stratford? Well, I wondered if it was because of the <laughs> festival or not well, necessarily. I, I had lived here a few years and was trying to work at the festival, but it's it's hard to get a job there. Whether yeah, or not. yeah, I know it's, someone who tried. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy. So get in there. But I was, you know, I was earning well and I, I could just be anywhere to do what I was doing. So I thought, well, perfect. Um, and the freelance work was, it was coming and going and ebbing and flowing. And I had friends at the festival and uh, an usher actually told me that they were, she heard that they were thinking of introducing audio description uh, live at the theater. And would I like to know about that and maybe get involved because she knew that's what I did for, for TV. So they had a workshop by a, an American woman came up and sort of taught us the basics. We did a, I think, three or four day workshop after we listened to her um, describe Camelot, I think. Mm -hmm. And and then we, uh, uh, the following year, I started audio describing shows for the, for the festival. So I have done Shakespeare. I have done classic theater. I've done comedies. I've done musicals. The mega musicals are a real challenge. They're a lot of fun to do, but as you can imagine, they're incredibly visual, um, usually packed with visual humor, uh, depending on the type of musical. And the choreography, especially when it's Donna Fiore, is amazing. And you, you can't possibly capture all of it, but at least you can hit the highlights. So when mm -hmm. the guy next to you is gasping or laughing at something, you can laugh and gasp along with them because you're imagining. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't you don't like when there's a delay and everybody's laughing around you and you're like, wait, catch me up here. Yeah, I mean, talk about, it talk about feeling isolated. You're sitting in a room full of people who are yeah. laughing. And you have no idea why they're laughing, but yeah. um, the 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 whole principle of audio description is to try and emulate the. Uh, same experience for uh, everyone in real time. So you try to describe the the visual as it is unfolding on stage, so that you are getting the exact same timing. <laughs> it's not always possible. Sometimes you have to cheat a little bit, a little bit before, a little bit after. Sometimes you have to overlap a little dialogue. Yeah, and this is where 
it becomes sort of an imperfect art form, but uh, it's certainly still valuable. You just have to choose your moments. Is it more important to let this little bit of dialogue going on about, well, what do you take in your tea? Well, I don't like sugar, so don't do But meantime, there's somebody sneaking in the window with a gun. It's probably more important. Kind of need to know that. Yeah. <laughs> to know that the guy's coming in with the gun at this point than whether or not, you know, Janice takes sugar. So, <laughs> <laughs> and to, and when I'm describing a dance, when I describe dance moves, I describe it um, from sort of a layman's point of view. So I, I you know, I don't give the, the you know the dancer term for for what they're doing i i you know they kick their leg up over their head and spin or something you know it's just so you can like anybody um could be impressed by he does a backflip and lands on his hands or something and it's uh I yeah, yeah, you have to assume the whole audience knows terms or you, can, yeah. you can't describe everything even with with this show we we talk about audio description and image descriptions all the time and it's it's a interesting exercise i think to use your 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 mind and, and to see something uh that's what you know when you read a good book that's what that is and and then well, it comes exactly. to life on a stage or screen but it's just that uh yeah it's like you gotta discriminate and decide what to include whereas on the mm -hmm. show we can't talk about what audio description is and go into great detail every time we bring it up um, no. But but if there's someone newly listening, they might they won't know <laughs> what are you talking about. So and, that's why uh, I keep talking about it. The the thing we do at the theater, um, which is uh, a bit a bit of an advantage over doing um, say a TV show, is that we have a pre-show uh, right. description. So I will describe the I will give you the you know the basic details of who's written the show, who's directed the designer, all that stuff. Um, and then I will describe the set top to bottom, left to right. So, you know, where all the doors and exits and what colors are used and whether there's a spectacular palm tree in the middle of it full of parrots or whatever. So you have that because it's the same. People see that when they walk in. Right. If they can see, they see the yeah, set. Yeah, it's like a playbill and then they so see, it, yeah. It's not like I've ruined the reveal or something. No. Um, Spoilers. <laughs> spoiler alert, there's a palm tree. Um, or, and then I describe the uh, characters. Uh, and I try to describe the character more than the actor. I will obviously, if someone has a round face or a pointed nose or whatever, then I will say that. But I don't, I want to give a bit, um, a feeling of what the character's impact is more than the actual actor. So I'm sure some actors don't want to hear what I describe them as. What do you mean I'm portly? <laughs> I'm not portly. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but you are in the show. <laughs> yes. Again, limited time, and and I've been doing some training recently to, to get involved from a blind my blindness perspective as a as a consultant and a QA, and no. it's just hard to know what words <laughs> what what words to use to describe people especially that gets really sensitive sometimes it does it does and also the the question of race um mm -hmm. when i when i did my training she just wanted us to describe people's skin tones and i always didn't really like doing that i thought well, why can't you just say someone's black why do i have to describe their skin tone you know and uh, yeah so and i mean I'm, it's a it's, it's a tough all, all this all this stuff's difficult to talk about and 
when it's a show with three white people, it's good that we we are clear about that, no. that we need to consult all these communities. But it's again, everybody will have different opinions, even in, in any kind of. And it was almost it was almost like, it was almost like there was an assumption that unless I say otherwise, they're all white. Yeah. yeah and default. and, uh, and uh, this idea of color blindness. Well, no. I don't like the term color blindness. We try to use the, the, the term color color rich you know <laughs> these days and 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 um it's about inclusive including people representing people so if you don't know that this year hamlet was played by a black woman you know it, 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 why aren't we mentioning that you, you exactly. and of course and of course i i I do i we don't we don't shy away from it at stratford anymore so okay um, yeah. and and you want to make people happy to see a show where they feel represented so especially for younger audiences it's incredibly important and and the uh learning to use different pronouns over the last few years has been a thing too right um, yeah you got to keep being open to learn and adapt and not stay just because you did something that way 10 years ago you have to do yeah. it that way yeah 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 and especially with um when you have characters on a, a tv show and it's like are they going to refer to themselves as they uh should i call them they and and sometimes that's confusing if there are more than there's more than two people in a scene or something yeah but, right. exactly but you know you just sort of pick and choose and figure out how to do that so that you know you're covering everything um it's always a challenge there's never never a dull moment doing this stuff well, um, i was gonna i was gonna ask if your skills if, if this is the case for you or not this i was wondering about skills that do transfer and for doing live theater where you're a little more you know you have to go 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 move it along yeah uh, did your training as an actor and voiceover does that help Come to be able to with your breathing to be yeah, able to it really helps because i'll do a vocal warm-up the way i used to and right. uh i have a i get a bit of the you know the little buzz of live performance even though i'm sitting in a booth and there's maybe like 10 people listening to me it's hardly the same but <laughs> I, I feel a part of the show i sit in a booth at the back top of the theater it's the director's booth next to the lighting booth and i can see the most of the audience and there's that buzz of people coming in and taking their seats and you can hear the the, the trumpet fanfare and and the announcements and it's it's um it's exciting to be part of that and then try to time my pre-show so i I, I can uh, let them hear the fanfare i can let people hear the the announcement or and and get all that visual information to them before the show begins and some shows are strangely easier to describe than others you would think shake people say oh my god you do shakespeare shakespeare gives you so much that right. there isn't that much to describe sometimes um in some scenes he tells you how people feel look here comes the king he looks angry i'm obviously not doing it in <laughs> big pentameter but he he sets the mood Yes. He sets the scene because they didn't have a lot of set uh, in the globe. So he would describe, imagine you're here. Imagine you're at Agincourt. Imagine the horses. Well, funny. You know, it's for, to, use your <laughs> to use your imagination. Funny well, that. Mm -hmm. I think everybody, everybody must use their imagination. What, what that means to right. um, each person individually is going to be different. Some people don't seem to use their imagination whether or not they can see. <laughs> but also blindness, there are different, there are varying degrees of it. Some people 
have been sighted for most of their lives and lose their sight gradually later in life. Some people are born blind. Some people have some sight. Some. So did you do, did you just sort of learn more about blindness then just from doing the work and being I, around I, it? Or have yeah. you spoken to a lot and, and had them and consulted with them and, and had group at conferences or, or workshops or how have you learned um, sort of about it's blindness? Mostly been from uh, individual feedback. And sometimes we have had groups come in Mm -hmm. And they, you know, people will tell me, I say, what works for you? What doesn't? Um, and some people say, well, I have peripheral vision or I can see shapes and colors. So you made sense of that scene where this happened because I, you know, I could see something moving and I knew it was blue, but I didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's like fine tuning things. And even people who have been blind since birth um, have appreciated it because even if you've never seen a color, you have a concept of color, I assume, because people are people use color and language all the time. So they might give you an association like red is something hot, green is something natural or cool. Or so you you have a concept of red, even mm -hmm. if you can't see red. Um, so it's still important to say that, you know, the couch is red or the, the set is mostly red and black or something because it sets a mood. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so it, sometimes it can be more abstract than literal, but that's OK. I don't. I, I don't think it helps to shy away from naming a color or a shape. Um, and also um, a few years ago, we started doing touch tours at Stratford um, where we would set up tables of props and um, dummies of costumes uh, and, and Stratford being, <laughs> being a bigger budget than a lot of theater, other theaters, we had, um, rehearsal props and rehearsal costumes or costumes in uh, storage that are similar to the ones being used on stage. So you didn't have to hustle it back you know, right. before the show started. It. <laughs> it's not always possible, but people could come and feel, you know, an 18th century uh, restoration dress is something it's just, it's enormous. <laughs> you know, you have to, you almost have to turn sideways to fit through a doorway it, it, because of the, the crinoline underneath and the, and the and the framing so mm -hmm. to be able to touch that and circle it and get a feel for just the circumference of this thing and the visual impact that that would have um you you get you, you have more of an understanding of how much room that takes up um you can feel the fabric the silks the laces the and uh these two ladies who used to come a lot um they were they were both blind from birth but they they um they would pick up fabric and say, oh, see this? And, and you know, sort of show each other. Um, yeah. I thought it was interesting because, uh, you know, when I was first trained, I was told, oh, don't say see, don't say yeah. Yeah, see. So that's what's changed. That's, um, and that's why we, we, we do this this show Outlook is to try to really start. Yeah. And obviously over time, these these stereotypes and stuff do start to yeah. go away a bit as society progresses. But it's it's an ongoing thing to educate. But I just think it is so mm -hmm. neat how it's it's becoming such a multi-sensory experience when you talk about the, the, the touch tours before a play. So you, you mm -hmm. get that tactile idea of things because when you don't, when you don't see, you don't quite, it's hard to imagine kind of how the actors and actresses are dressed up on stage and, and how that, yeah. that whole part works. Um, but then also the fact that you do um, after, after a performance, you do have time to, to meet with people who listened into the audio description to get any feedback because it is an ongoing thing. And as Carrie mentioned earlier, being a consultant, it's all about mm -hmm. working together with the community, the blindness community to figure out, you know, what, you know, what could be improved, what's already great. It's, it's all about 
just getting feedback and it's the whole idea again about in the past it was almost just like sometimes people were like oh the description's not very good but at least you have something where it's like that's not well, good enough we want things to be that really isn't good enough and no. it, it actually makes me angry because i work really really hard exactly. to try and do the best possible job i can yeah. so if somebody just sort of tosses something out there and goes well we described it yeah um, uh, it's not good enough i mean yeah. you use the use words that are more interesting use words that reflect the feeling of a show somebody doesn't you know enter and sit in a chair if they're in uh camelot or king lear they they entrance they sweep in and are seated in a throne that gives much more of a an idea yeah. of the scale of the of the story being told and and the grandeur of the story and i i try to sort of uh you know tailor my language to the shows that i'm using yes, so the word you, word choice is so I, important in in all of these and in a description and i can definitely tell just by Speaking with you here today for the first time, how how great you are with with that stuff. So it's it seems like definitely oh. the perfect role for you. So for anyone who's been <laughs> listening today, we're speaking with Ruth Barrett, works at Stratford Theatre here in Ontario, Canada as an audio describer. And we're going to take a quick break now for some promos, but then we'll be right back with more of today's episode. Outlook. Radio Western. Welcome back today to Outlook on Radio Western. You're tuning in either live on the station or as a podcast after the fact. And we're speaking today with Ruth Barrett. And we've been talking before the break about audio description and live theater audio description at Stratford Festival. We will circle around to that again when we finish the show. But um, thanks again, Ruth, for coming on Outlook. Oh, no, this is great. I, I'm... I love talking about what I do because I think it's really important that more people know about it. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, both people who would uh, love to use the service or people who just would maybe uh, n just enjoy knowing more about, about what's out there. It's a different way of viewing the world, literally. So um, it is. Well, I just yeah. think it's, and and I think it's so neat yeah. how, how we did start from, yeah, just a description on a VHS tape to a movie theater. And then now, <laughs> more in recent years how it is in the live theater se um, setting where it's actually happening live in the moment and i just think that whole idea is so cool because most of the description for for other for movies and stuff is a pre-recorded medium so i just think mm -hmm. it, it makes obviously so much sense if since it's a live theater to have someone live there doing it and i i really do commend stratford theater for bringing this a, a, along i think mainly in the last 10 years or so i think it's been available i'm not sure how yeah, How long yeah, I think there, but... I think we started uh, 2012. Right. So yeah, and I'm I mean I I mentioned maybe before I've been to maybe I think only two Stratford plays, uh, Miracle Worker back in high school, and mm -hmm. then uh, Anne Frank, The Diary of Anne Frank, a couple of years ago, and. Oh, and I so, audio described that. Did you go to the audio description? You know what? I can't even remember. I was just getting involved in that the idea <laughs> that that's an option then, and I don't know if I asked for it in that case. I can't remember anymore. Uh, so much has happened to us all, and, and obviously live theater must be an issue with the pandemic. But um, before we get to that, I did want to talk a bit about the other work you do that's not live, uh, and that's with your. You said you're a head staff writer now at Descriptive. No, Video? no, I um a few years back. Well, I had been doing the freelance work with mostly um, accessible media, right? AMI, and just trying to find more. Obviously, I knew it was mandated and there must be more 
<laughs> companies out there getting doing this. So how can I get the work and help out and you know, yep. try to make more of a living doing this? Because yeah, I was it was feast or famine for years. Right. Um, and I had reached out to Diane, uh, who who was uh, in charge of of um, descriptive video works back a few years ago, and she hadn't she didn't need any new audio describers at the time. But we had a good chat. So I guess she remembered me well enough that in 2017, she reached out uh, when she was in need of, of more audio describers and offered me some, some freelance work then. And I, uh, we just got more and more busy over the years while I was working with them. And they were a godsend during the pandemic because I had started out that year with um, descriptive video works freelance. I had another job. Um, helping out in a friend's art studio. I was supposed to audio describe four shows for Stratford that season. And I was going to help out uh, on a friend, uh, not a, well, I guess he's my friend, a documentary about Stratford and uh, the new opening, the new theater opening, the new Tom Patterson. Right, and, right. And sort of the parallels between that uh, and the very first season in the tent. And I was going to help you know, coordinate things with that. And, and it was going to be a really great year. Mm. And I ended up losing three or four jobs in one day when, when the mm. pandemic hit Ouch. and Stratford, Stratford basically just stopped. I mean, yeah. it was, it was horrible watching all of my friends. I have a, a great many friends who work in the theater in various capacities and almost everyone was right out of work just, and, and had no idea what to do. And it was just, it was depressing because people were, People said, you know, at the time, oh, we're all in this together. We're all in the same boat. But we're no, not, yeah. um, I think artists, especially theater artists and performing artists, they were not in the same boat. What do mm. you do? What transferable skills do you have that you can, you know, work from home? You know, it was, it was just, <laughs> it was uh, quite a time. And of course, we didn't do any shows the first year. And then, and then um, last season, we did a handful of shows outside in the te in tents, like we like the first year. Right, aired, air out. And I did the one single audio described show last season of Serving Elizabeth, um, at, which was set up in the parking lot, you know, behind <laughs> the new the new theater. So teasingly, mm -hmm. we're outside the new theater, but we could be in it. Um, um, I'd ask you on air, just I could ask off the air, but why not? Is um, we talk a lot and just recently interviewed Amy Amanti from uh, Vocali out in BC, and they I'm sure they do some work with descriptive video works people or a lot of describers and, and other artists who put on plays and, and are doing things like that. Have you come across them out there? Um, I know their name. I haven't, I have never actually been out to BC. The thing about the great thing about, um, working with descriptive video works is you can work anywhere from anywhere in the world. I have, uh, we have narrators and writers from all different countries. <laughs> so, and it's exciting. It's exciting times because you can, you can get different viewpoints about things. And mm -hmm. one of the things um, descriptive video works is trying to get into uh, is describing gaming. Um, now I know next to nothing about gaming. Me neither. Me neither. <laughs> Never been a gamer, but I know there are some blind gamers out there. So there yeah. are, and they're oh, yeah. very enthusiastic. Exactly. And they're we're working uh, closely with with people to 
you know, try and get, get this to work somehow. I mean, we, I know we've audio described trailers for gaming, um, but I, I wouldn't even know where to start, but I think that's fascinating. And, and we've, I think we've, they've recently hired somebody who's sort of a, um, uh, a gaming expert. Uh, so I'm sure it'll, it'll be, it. you know, watch this space is what I'm saying. There are new, there are new avenues opening. Right. Uh, well, I bring up, I bring up vocal. I just, because during the pandemic, they had a lot of in-person plays and, and, and shows described in BC there. And, and they, well, had they, had to, a, they, they start it, it doing it virtual all yeah. online it now. It was all virtual. So yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I know, that's how I got involved with it. Yeah. I know who, who they are, but I've never really worked with them. I'm, I'm sure we've probably crossed paths once in a while. There are, it's a fairly, I don't know if it's a small community, but you know, you kind of hear about each other and yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> there's some, there's some, there's some grapevine stuff going on there. That's my... stuff. I should look more into that actually. That'd be cool. Um, yeah, just... well, I love it out there. I mean, I love, I haven't been out there that often and I, I, it's great that you can do this stuff remotely and that nowadays they can describe things for all kinds of platforms and for anywhere you might access something well, in Canada and, and wherever. This is, yeah, this is something I, I'm really thrilled to be involved with because, again, um, AMI tended to do a fair amount of, they, they do a lot of live stuff, but I wasn't always available. You know, I don't live in Toronto. It's harder to do that. Yeah. Um, and I know uh, Descriptive Video Works as well does, uh, does a lot of, I think they've done um, award shows and uh, Special Olympics and, you know, um, uh, sports broadcast which i'd be really bad at like super bad <laughs> like, the guy in the red threw something and you know <laughs> now everyone yeah i know is it is no, it an I, inning I, is it a period is this yeah, is, is this a pitch well, that's is why it is so field? great to see more and more people getting into audio description because yeah it does help obviously if you know a little bit about what it, what it is that you're describing or you're kind of familiar with that yeah. area of whether it be theater or a sports event or a well, show like you know no matter what it is it's uh I mean, yeah, I'm I'm kind of an Anglophile and a history buff, um, and mm -hmm. I love theater and art. Uh, so some of the things I've enjoyed describing um, for descriptive video works over the years, I I did uh, for various clients. I'm not even really sure who who was airing it, but they did West Side Story, you know, the old uh, original film, and you know, a Christmas Carol with the Alistair Sim. And, oh, you know, yeah, like, that's well, a favorite of my house. Yeah, love doing things like that. Um, and yeah. uh, one of my one of my big projects over the last year was uh, doing the entire series of the Tudors for Showtime. Oh, I have um, to see that one. <laughs> so I'm, I don't even know if it's I don't get Showtime, so I'm not sure if it's on yet. But I don't um, either. Yeah, it was it was wonderful to do and annoy and and irksome to do because it's just it's it's a challenge there's a lot of sex there's a lot of silliness there's a lot of bodice busting but there's also some really <laughs> um wonderful theatrical stuff going on and you can i could be a lot more creative and lyrical about it to sort of suit the mood because it's an over-the-top show so you can be a little bit over the top in the language you're using uh, and more poetical but uh, some of my other favorite things I've done lately uh, for for Netflix, I did Love on the Spectrum. Oh, really? I absolutely adore that show. I've learned so much doing it, and I, I'm I'm in love with all of the people <laughs> in the in the show. And if you've not if you've not watched it, I I, I think everybody should see it. It's just a brilliant way. Yeah, of, oh, I haven't either. But I'd like to learn when I'm 
I'm like I'm liking making connections with people doing all these kind of positions in audio description Ooh. because then if I know somebody's voicing something or somebody worked on something, it, I can help promote it and I can check it out. And and then oh. you you know the person who did it even a little. It's it's pretty yeah, cool. It is kind of neat. I mean, and each writer and each narrator has their different uh, different styles. I unfortunately don't narrate any of the television work because I just I don't have a proper studio. I live on a busy street, so I've tried having a home studio and yet you end up having to do another take as yet another truck just went by and shook the house um <laughs> so i'm better just to write um but uh yeah I, I i think love on the spectrum is an important show because i don't personally love um uh dating shows and all those reality shows and being a celebrity for the sake of being a celebrity shows i could care yeah, less me too. I, I find them i find them incredibly stupid and i i feel like honest to god you know isn't there anything better on, on tv uh so but so love on the spectrum is a dating show but it's from the perspective of people who are on the spectrum trying to find love it's a show that uh, started out in australia um they did a U.S. version this past year, and it won two Emmys. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's kind of exciting. And it's uh, following the stories of these people who are, again, with uh, blindness, there are different varying degrees of it. And, again, being on the spectrum can mean almost anything. Right. It's so individual. Um, they, were, they were all tremendously interesting people with huge hearts and funny and sweet and they're uh, families were great and it just opened my eyes to again a new way of seeing the world while I'm audio describing it's like this whole idea of neurodiversity was a whole new thing for me and I I, I think it's great so I'm, I'm thrilled that I have this job that I can learn all this stuff you know I learn more about I have to research a lot of shows that I'm doing because I'll suddenly you know you're doing Tudor England so I want to make sure I'm <laughs> mentioning uh things that are are accurate using the right language i yeah. i came into it already knowing but you know some people some shows you you do i did billions and that uh i had to sort of look up a lot about new york and stock trading and and all that stuff so that i was using the right words and the right terminology um yeah it's it's such a cool job i'm really really grateful that i can do this um and, I, and the best is because it helps people. It it it, it helps open open well, up a it, world. It makes it, it makes things. It, it provides greater access, so we all have access yeah. to things. But it also it provides for you to in, for anybody to enjoy some fun, some joy of of watching it something or listening, however you think of it, a performance Ooh. of any kind. It's just it's great to let loose sometimes, and 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 it's so amazing all the things that are audio described now. It's really just. Exploded, I think. I mean, I my nieces and nephews often grew up watching children's shows with audio description already, and just from mm. birth that they were so used to it by then. And yeah, and I, I think that's great for kids to have. Yeah, kids shows are fun, but they're tricky because <laughs> again, uh, yeah. there's a lot of overlapping. And um, you know, do you name the kid? Like when I, some of the feedback I got from theater is um, people want the the as soon as that character starts to speak, they want to know who they are. So you can say, okay, that's Bob's voice. That's Hamlet's voice. That's King Lear's voice. They, even if no one's called them that yet in the, in the show, it's a, 
this thing, you know, called forced naming. Do you, you know, I, I personally, when I'm um, describing theater, I figure if I can mention the name right off the top, I do because it gives someone an association, that voice, that character. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't always, doesn't always work that way in, the, in TV. People don't want to force name until the character has been named, depending on the, um, the, the, the platform. They well, I mean, I watch of- I watch a lot of documentaries on like TV Ontario here, mm. and they have a lot of great, you know, descript described content, history, and and literature and art, Ooh. documentary, nature, and wildlife. It's just that some of it has subtitles and different languages and different people, and then you got to narrate, and then you yeah. got to let us hear the dialogue um, in the piece. So that is one of fun. the biggest challenges. I remember I was trying to think, you know, sort of what were the most challenging things I've ever audio described. I did a movie uh, about um, children who were being used as rebel soldiers in the Congo. Oh yeah, that's heavy called, too. Called Rebe- Rebel War Witch. It was in French, so it was entirely subtitled. It was violent. There were long, long stretches of um, action sequences, maybe 10, 12 minutes where it was just me describing what I'm seeing because no one's saying anything of, you know, going through these horrible um, streets and, you know, coming across bodies and, you know, and, and just, and, and fighting and combat and, 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 you know, when you're describing something violent, how far do you go? This is yeah, this, and then know. that's what we touched about on race earlier in this show today. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with violence or sexual content. Anytime anybody who's a sighted describer or somebody in that production who thinks, well, we we'll just trim some corners. We don't need to tell the blind person everything. If that if you're not getting all the information at the same time as the sighted people get it, and you're and you're, you're not getting it, the same information. No, and I mean, and who I, gives you that right to say? Because then you start maybe saying, well, they can't handle that. They don't need to know that. They can't well, see it anyway. Who so, am I to decide who can handle what or not? Exactly. Turn it off know, if you yeah. if you're watching this gory movie. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, you know there's going to be some blood splatter <laughs> and yeah. and and gore, and if it's if it's if it's explicitly visual, then it's explicitly described. As far as I'm concerned, you can't you can't pick and choose. So it it is it is kind of tricky. Some and, and yeah, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of some examples. I've had to describe some pretty disgusting things that I wish <laughs> I'd never seen. <laughs> but oh. you know, it's uh, it's just part of the job, right? So and and I find. Um, like I said, sports, I'd be really useless at it. We do have a, a couple of people who love sports and they're awesome at describing it live and, um, uh, you know, pre-recorded. Well, it makes me think so when you were talking about the, the, the theater and stuff, it makes me think of, and people gasping or laughing at certain moments. In my case, it makes me yeah. think of a, a baseball because I've become a pretty big baseball fan the last 10 years. And luckily I can go to a, a Blue Jays game in Toronto. And if I bring an actual AM radio and tune in the radio broadcast, yeah. which is, of course... They're not audio description, but it's in a way it's kind of the same because they're describing it for the radio for people in their cars or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So I can actually, it syncs up with the game. I can have a radio in my ear and I can, you know, I can tell when somebody gets a home run with everyone else. And it's, it's amazing because you do feel like you're included in the experience. And that's what this is all about is being inclusive and making it, you know, comfortable for everyone. So it's, uh. And, and, and you're getting the same experience in the same sort of real time. Exactly. That's the, that's the, you 
you're it's more of a community experience it's like a communal experience in the theater a communal experience at the at the ball game that's you don't want people to not feel included exactly that that right and and the more i can make a a tv show sound like an audiobook or a radio play um you know that's sort of the goal and he you know try to make it interesting without being intrusive you don't want to intrude on a show you don't want to take over and go look at me i'm being more interesting than the show exactly. well the point <laughs> is the point is that you you want to blend in as much as possible exactly. yeah exactly come so that you're a part of things and that it, it feels seamless and that's why it comes down to mixing it's not all mm-hmm. you know it's not the work's not done when you write it or when they when people even voice it there's nope. so much behind the scenes and people there's don't know going on people we don't have- know how much work it takes there's a lot. We have some great mixers. We have some great narrators. And of course, every narrator, um, y- you you want to pick and choose your narrator. Maybe you need a sort of a softer woman's voice for a certain show. And maybe you want to, you know, a more baritone male voice for another show. And, and you're trying to match the mood of things. Um, yeah, there's so much going into it. And it's uh, an exciting time to be in audio description. So this idea of being on a, they hired on, um, a team of six uh, lead staff writers in in April. So we uh, we primarily are still writing audio description full time. That's what we do. But we also sit on an advisory council. We have a meeting once a week as a team. And after I've been working freelance by myself in a room alone yeah. <laughs> for years, it's so nice to have a team because we can bounce an idea off of each other. Um, how does this work? Uh, you know, technical stuff that we have to deal with, or how would you word this? If this is what, you know, there's this weird flashback where actors are playing the same character that, you know, in, in reality, and how do you describe that visually? And, and we, we can help each other. Um, and that can only make the uh, audio description better in the end. And, and I have a, a few writers, freelance writers who can ask me questions at any time. And, and it's just, it's nice to be sort of part of something rather than sitting yeah. here, sitting here in a box by myself. Um, yeah. 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 You're something, it's something larger and just audio description of any kind, all the time kinds we've talked about today on the outlook and that we'll talk about in future, you know, there, there's so many out there and collaborating is the best thing. I mean, recently I worked on a script of a documentary to get some training with one other blind woman and, and then a sighted woman. And it was great collaborating and it was just, the team was so great. And if you can get some people willing to really work together, you can create some beautiful things and then you divvy up the work and, and the, the final product is, is, is beautiful. Yeah. It's so much more nuanced and interesting uh, when you work together on something like that, because you, you say, you see it from different viewpoints and, uh, and, and, if you're especially if you're working with somebody who you know they are visually impaired and maybe they 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 obviously understand more than i would what they would need in their description what they would prefer in their description and that's why i'm i'm advocating and and making other connections with others who want to do this qa quality control this kind of consulting work because yeah we need to consult with the blind people not just sort of get a bit of smattered feedback um, all over the place nowadays, especially like you say, things are coming along so well and changing so rapidly that they're gonna, you know, we're gonna make sure that we real that everybody realizes that everybody needs to to work with each other. I think. Yeah, we're we're definitely working harder at uh, 
having more and more of our shows um, quality controlled. Um, wasn't always possible to QC everything, but uh, we're trying to do, you know, most of our shows now if we can. So, and I realize there's there's budgets and everything. There are budgets and also training. This is a uh, fields a lot of people don't necessarily have any training in. So, and you do learn as you go. I'm always learning. I I learned stuff last week. You know, <laughs> like it it never stops. And that's what's good for me and good for anyone using the service. The better it gets. You know? Yeah. So. So unfortunately, we are running low on time here. It's we are really. Time. I told you I could talk about this. I all love day. it. I, I just um. I love the the passion really comes through when you the way you're talking and discussing this this field. And as far as I'm aware, you know, you weren't very familiar with blindness before you got involved. And I think sometimes a lot of people would think, oh, you're an audio describer, and if they learn a bit what that is, mm-hmm. they must think, oh, you must have somebody blind in your family, or you must. There's a reason nope. you got into this. When really, it's just anyone could get into this in the world out there. Even if you have no connection to blindness or if you're closed captioning, you might not. Of course, you want to have that make connection as you start getting into it to get some co- consultation. But mm. ultimately, it's about all of us working together and learning from each other and, and people that live di- different situations and all getting involved to open our mind to realize, you know, what is out there and how we can make an inclusive experience for everyone. So thanks again so much, Ruth Barrett, for coming on the show here today. Ruth is a freelance audio describer, works for... Stratford Theatre in Ontario, as well as Descriptive Video Works, and uh, which is out of BC, and just so many things that, that you work with. So We'll definitely check in with you next year once the season kicks off again to hear what performances Yeah, yeah I know we're kind of airing this yes. at the end of the, the season here, so pretty much everything is yeah. aired at this point yeah, from this year. But uh, yeah, this was so great. But yeah, I will, I'll definitely come on once we know which shows are coming up and what dates. I'm not the only describer at the Stratford Festival. We use a few different uh, freelancers and we cannot describe um, every single production or every single performance, but there are select dates. Um, And if you do have a group, I think if it's 10 or more, if you have a group, a social group or uh, a a group you do outings with or whatever, um, we can add a show in if it's possible. Um, So we can talk a bit more about that next year. We will. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I'd love to do this again. This is great. (laughs) I'm really, thank you for uh, reaching out and having me on. Send us an email. Outlook on RadioWestern at gmail.com Find us on Twitter at OutlookCFB and on Facebook facebook.com slash outlook on Radio Western.